Hi, and welcome back to Wire to Wire with Nolan RECC. I'm Communications Manager Sarah Fellows, and today I have with me Becky Loyal. Becky is a former director of NOLAN, and I'm very grateful to have her here. Uh, we're talking about her time as a co-op member and, and co-op members that came before her. So um, we're kind of talking about when the lights came on, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So Becky, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where were you born? Where, where did you grow up? I was born in Hart County. I grew up in Three Springs. Uh, it's that little community sits almost on the border of several counties being Barron, Metcalf, and Green. And um, I'm a third generation uh, rural cooperative member. Awesome. Okay, so it's a long, it's, you have deep roots in the co-op world. Roots. All right. So you grew up as a co-op member, but not, not as part of Nolin. That's correct. I was, uh, the service area we grew up in was Farmers, Rural Electric, out of Glasgow, Kentucky. Okay, all right. So when did you move to this area? Randall and I married in 1963, and we moved to Hardin County. Uh, I became a state farm agent in 1980, and in 1983 we moved to LaRue County. So you've been in Hardin and LaRue County? Correct. All right, so you've been a, a NOLAN member that whole time? No, we became NOLAN members in 1976 and we lived then in Hardin County. Okay, so in, in LaRue County now you're still a Nolan member? Well, we after I retired we moved back to Hardin County, <laughs> so I'm still a Nolan member. So you've been a Nolan member but in different places? Right. Okay, alright, so if you could talk a little bit about your history, so because you have deep roots in the co-op world, um, so just kind of for context so that everybody kind of knows, Electricity really didn't come to the rural area in Kentucky until the late 30s, early 40s. Uh, Nolan was incorporated in 38. Uh, the lights didn't start coming on until 39. And so a lot of the rural areas didn't get electricity until certainly then, but then, you know, some of them maybe even years after that. Yeah. So you would have, certainly you would have family members that would have remembered a time and lived through a time that had no electricity at all. So. Talk about your your story, the stories you've heard, the people in your life that talked about the time when the lights came on. Okay. My grand, my maternal grandparents were probably very active with the farmers, rural electric, when they began to secure members. And um, my grandfather was an Angus cattle farmer, and he um became, he joined the American Angus Association in 1941. Okay. So that lets you know how involved he was. Mm -hmm. One of the um, representatives in our area became a board member for farmers and we went to church with him. And at, when he passed, his son later became a, a board member for farmers. And um, so I've always known about the rural electorate. Corporation, mm -hmm. and um, my maternal grandparents would have been very involved in getting other farmers and families to become members. My parents married in 1939, and they had electric from the very beginning. Oh, did they? So I've never known a time without electricity. But but certainly your grandparents would have. So my grandparents would have. My paternal grandparents chose not to sign up for electricity when it came out. Oh, wow. So um, I remember reading a letter that my paternal grandmother had written to my folks, and she was talking about electricity coming to their home and them getting a new electric stove and how excited she was. 
Well, what do you think, and I want to come back to, to the question about what you think that meant to her, but before that, it, it's interesting to me that the difference between your one set of grandparents who were trying to get co-op members to join them, because that's really how co-ops were formed. Exactly. There were local residents who, who wanted electricity and, and they banded together and that's how they got it, was forming cooperative. But then you have your other grandparents that were like, hmm, we're going to give it a little bit. <laughs> so, so the stories that you've heard from both, I mean, I think that would be interesting. You have the one grandmother that was talking about being so excited about finally getting it. What do you think it meant to her to, to be able to go from not have, I mean, we can't imagine what it's like. I can't imagine what it's like to not have electricity. You never lived without it either. So what do you think that meant to her to get that? Well, you know, they had wood stoves that they cooked on. Mm -hmm. uh, she baked wonderful biscuits. Um, you know, the time, it was such a time-saving thing when electricity came to them. But they didn't give up their wood stoves. Uh -huh. Her wood stove went to the building in which she did her laundry. Okay. And in my maternal grandparents' case, the wood stove went to the basement. And when there was a hog slaughter, they cooked sausage on that wood stove. Oh, I bet that was good. <laughs> well, and it kept, kept the place warm, I'm it sure, in, some, in yeah. some ways, yeah. Well, if the electric went off, there was a wood stove that would provide some heat to the house, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but the, it was a time-consuming, it, it was a time-adding thing, you know, mm -hmm. for them. Not counting the convenience. And then after the electric stoves came, then they bought refrigerators, which they had had to have ice uh, chests right, and had yeah. to provide ice to that chest right. when they needed cooling. Um, probably the stove was talked about more than the refrigerator, though. And then came the washing machines for the ladies. Oh, wow, yeah. And then if there were dairy farmers, you know, in time when they got the milkers, you know, uh, think how much time that saved for them and the convenience it added for them, plus the cooling for the milk when they were able to have the... Well, and if, if, you, if you think about just trying to run a farm from, from sunup to sundown, I, everything, like you said, how much more time everything would take to have to do that. Of course, they didn't know the difference until, exactly. they, until electricity exactly. came along, but, but I, I can't imagine how much different it must have been. And, and to be able to cook on a wood stove and then to go to a regular stove, you, had, you probably had to change every recipe because <laughs> she yeah. knew exactly how to cook everything exactly right on a wood stove, I'm sure. When the electric cooperatives came along, they did demonstrations. Okay. And yeah. even up into the 60s, they were still demonstrating stoves and refrigerators and talking about the appliances. Mm -hmm. And there was usually a home economist on the staff mm -hmm. at the rural cooperative. And um, so they would come out and give demonstrations. They would supply um, recipes to the families and, you know, well, I can tell you going through, because I'm, I'm, as you know, I've, I've only been in Nolan for a few years, and, and going through the files, because the co-op is amazing about saving you know, memories and, right. and file, and just all kinds of things, and, and I found cookbooks, and I found, you know, the home economist, she had a whole column that she talked about, um, and we still have a room here we call the appliance showroom. We haven't had appliances here for I don't know how long, but it's still the appliance <laughs> showroom, right? So, and, and we could even buy appliances here mm -hmm. at one time. Right. Yeah. So, so the co-op really had an integral part to play with all these rural families kind of learning even. Not only did they bring electricity, they helped to learn how to use they it. They taught them. Yeah. Taught them how to use it. Huh. That's really neat. So do you have any other stories that you can think about, things that you know that electricity added to the life of your family? 
anything that I know clearly she was excited about the stove but was there anything else that you think really kind of added to their life with that well um, of course most of them had the old lamps and um, when the students were in the home they had to study by that well when electricity came there was the light to be they, they could study by one of the stories that I have to tell you is when I was a senior um, I guess our consumer education also involved the cooperative because um, members of the staff at Farmers would come into our schools and talk to us about electricity. And uh, we sold light bulbs uh, when I was in high school. And I was a senior and I happened to win the contest for selling the most light bulbs. <laughs> I got a study lamp that went to college with me. Very nice. Now, do you saw the lamp? <laughs> probably. I was, it probably would still work. It wouldn't surprise me if it still works. So you've had, you've had co-op in your blood from the time you were born right. and before then with your family. So I, it, it's really no surprise at all then that you decided to become a director. You ran to be a director. Now, what, what years were you a director for Dunland? I became a director in 1999. I remember coming to the opening of the new building here in September of 1999, and um, I was a director for nine years. Wow. So I, I would ask why. I mean, I, I, I would like to know kind of in your words why it sounds like there's just a really deep history there, but what are the other kinds of, what are the reasons that you, you thought being a director would be a good a good position to hold? Well, Miss Virginia Manley, we were in District 5 of LaRue County at the time, and Miss Virginia Manley had been our director, and uh, she was not going to run again, and uh, I chose to run um, for the board. And because I love the cooperative so, and, and and knew so many that were on the board, mm -hmm. and we had become members of the advisory board many years earlier, probably right. when we first became members of No Lynn. And uh, I felt like I possibly could have something to contribute. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously you did. You did <laughs> so. You did that for nine years. Nine years. So, what did you learn about No Lynn in that time, and being a, and being not just a, a, then just being a member, but then being a board director? You had to have learned a whole lot about about the cooperative world and about Nolan in particular? I think one of the things I probably appreciate most are the cooperative principles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Nolan has always been a, an aggressive, progressive uh, co-op, and uh, it continues to be that till today. Mm -hmm. As you travel around the country, if you'll look at the lines that supply our electricity, Nolan's couldn't be much better. Mm -hmm. The yeah. vegetation has been uh, cleared mm -hmm. and new lines have been provided and new distribution centers. Um, so, you know, that brings much better service. So, mm -hmm. um, and the, the employees. Uh, Nolan always has some of the best employees. We, we think so. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're really proud of, of your time as a director. And, and I know we, just in passing, you know, we've talked about the co-op, and, and you always ask how things are, and clearly it's a, it's a big part of who you are. Certainly. Mm -hmm. um, and if it weren't for that, I can't imagine what life would be like uh, for those, particularly those people in the very rural areas, mm -hmm. those people at the end of the line. And that's the other thing. No land is always concerned with that member, that member owned That's right. the cooperative. That's right, that's right. And like you said, at the end of the line, like for us, it's, I mean, that could be, we have over 3,000 miles of line. Exactly. But we serve them all the same, so. And as you, tra as you travel around, look at the lines in the other cooperatives. I'm proud to say Farmers has improved a great mm -hmm. deal too, and they mm -hmm. have new 
um, substations and their lines look much better than they did years ago too. Well, so clearly you have great pride in being a part of cooperative and, and having a history in the cooperative. So as we kind of wrap up our time, I, I wondered if you just had anything you'd like for members to know. So when people come on Nolan now, they may not have any idea what a cooperative cooperative is. They may not have any, you know, to know how that's different from an investor-owned. And, and you've spoken to that to, to some degree, but I, I, I'm curious... What would you say to a new member or someone who's a member that doesn't know much about a cooperative? What, what would you want them to know about NOLIN? I would want them to know that they're a very big part of the community, that they're very um, involved in community events. I would want them to know that there's always someone there to help them at NOLIN if they'll just reach out. And for the younger uh, members who join NOLIN, they need to investigate and possibly become a board member. For those that might have interest because uh, new blood is always needed in any organization. Mm -hmm. When I, I have found again since I've been here that the the culture here is very open to new ideas and um, and it's like you said I, I, I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased as are you but <laughs> I feel like we're you know we really try and kind of blaze a trail. Um, exactly and, and I feel that Nolan has done that and mm -hmm. I feel it like they will continue, but they do need younger people That's right. to get to know the cooperative. All right. Well, thank you for your time and, and for your service to the cooperative. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to Wire to Wire with Nolan RECC. Thanks for joining us.